Welcome to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. In a troubled world riddled with endless pursuits, we have a place of peace and rest in Jesus Christ. We invite you to join us in worshiping Him and following Him in a life-transforming journey. Now, here's my friend Mark to introduce today's sermon. Good morning. Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho welcomes you to our message, free at last. This week we address our understanding of what real riches look like when we're truly free and loved in Christ's mercy and grace. Have you ever just been done with your own sin? Fed up? Especially a sin you keep repeating? What do you do with your own dumb mistakes? Today we hear what Jesus tells us is necessary to be truly free from sin no longer a slave to our own blind way of acting or thoughtless mistakes. He discusses, he shows forgiveness. In Romans 7.14, Paul admits his humanity of mistakes, his errors in living in foolish sin, yet he points to Jesus alone as the only solution for his salvation in Christ. Sin is like a powerful drug to which we become enslaved, we become addicted. It lies, it entices, it blinds. The only deliverance and redemption is Jesus and the scriptures and the way that he leads out from under this captivity. Now, until, until, until we're somehow set free from this power of sin, this guilt of sin separates us from a relationship with the Lord where we can be led by Him, blessed by Him. There's a wall if we don't deal with this sin quickly. Every morning I have a cup of coffee, and for quite a while now I no longer use sugar, I use honey. And at the end of drinking the coffee with honey and the whipped cream, which I love... I want to get busy doing other things, and my temptation is to put the cup down. My wife will not wash my cups, only once in a while. But if she washes it, she doesn't put it back in the charger, my cup charger, to keep it hot. Okay. So I got this cup in my hand, I want to run and go, and I don't want to wash it, and sometimes I just leave it there. Like sin. I'll deal with this later. Here's the problem. When I come back a day later to use that cup, not only does it have what it used to have with the honey left over, but now it's got mold and stuff and ickies. And I got to really wash it. Got to really get on your face and confess all the sins from Adam until the coming of the Lord of that, what I've done and lived in. But listen, when I take the cup right away after I drink it and I wash it right away, I'm done. I clean it. I rinse it. I'm God. It's good. I charge it. That's the way you're supposed to deal with sin. If you sinned against your brother and your sister, whatever it is, excuse me, I've got to go talk to the Lord. Or excuse me, I'll be right back and say, Lord Jesus, here I go again. Forgive me. Name that sin specifically. Be honest with you. I have sinned against you and you alone, says David, says the prodigal. He recognizes it and he says, I despise it as it fights against me. And I will rule over it, clean it, repent it, confess it right away. So this man, 66-year-old in Ontario, southwestern Ontario, Canada, some time ago, they pulled the police, was dispatched to his property. He had a pet. He had a pet tiger. And when they're cubs, they're so cute. 
Just like cats. When they're kittens, they're so cute. The problem is that they turn out to be big cats. This tiger is a cub, is adorable, fluffy, hug it, love it, licks your back. That's great. It grows up to be a 500-pound beast that loves you and licks you till he senses that blood and that saltiness in the skin. Truth is, and we see this on the internet all the time, all these people, especially I think it's in Russia somewhere, they got all these pets of all different kind of wild animals. Norman Buwalda He spent years battling with his neighbors to keep wild animals on his property. He was attacked and killed by the 295-kilogram tiger when he entered the cage to feed it. The tiger said, I want more. So we take the sin, we embrace it. It's our little pet peeve, our little pet sin. It's okay, I've been with it for a while. I'll be fine. And they say, I can stop whenever I want. Have you heard that before? Have you said it? I know I have. I can stop. Biggest lie, biggest blindness. And that is the power of sin. All right. Enough of dragging you through the mud and the pain. We know we're sick. What's the medicine? Here it is. Principle, powerful number two. Here's the provision for sin. Here's what God has done. And then here's what God gives you to have power over sin. Not just the power of sin. Turning upside down that preposition of. And bring it over to over. Power over sin. Turn with me to Isaiah 53. Chapter 53. In understanding as a prophecy what God had already planned. That Jesus will do and how he will live in giving us this provision. The answer is already yours. The power is there. It's a matter of surrendering and tapping and living into this redemption. Jesus was pierced for our transgression. That sin, that lifestyle. From the moment you cried and you were born to the day you die, all of that sin, that transgression cost Jesus his life and the pain of the world upon his shoulders. He was crushed in a real sense, like grapes are crushed under the feet and making wine. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement, was the punishment, the full onslaught of the eternal judgment of God. You've got no comprehension what that means. Someone dying on a cross can't really explain the punishment of eternity on Jesus. That brought us peace. And with His wounds, we are healed. What did God do and what does it mean? God loved the world and God loved you. Look at verse 10. It was the will of God to crush him. He has put him, Jesus, to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, your guilt, legal, emotional, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Jesus. 11. Out of the anguish of his soul. He shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one. My servant make many. That's you. Make many. Not all. Make many. 
you and me, to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Verse 12, he bore the sins of many, and he makes intercession for transgressors. If you realize the power of sin, how egregious, deceiving, and ultimately destructive to you is, you will no longer pray like the guy that joined the pastor at the altar, being religious, feeling convicted, and saying, Oh Lord, please cleanse me and clear the cobwebs of my life. Having said that so many times, and the pastor knowing him, the pastor cried out, Lord, kill the spider. Because you go after the cobwebs. The cobwebs that can be seen by people. But that spider, that's your spider. We have been given provision against the sin. Here's what God did. Number one, because He loves you, because of what Jesus has done, there is a pardon for sin. You don't deserve it. You cannot earn it. You haven't convinced him. He's forgiven you. In, because, and through Jesus. David understood that when he wrote Psalm 51. Having been caught. And look at this. The Lord says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed... You can move mountains. And we don't know what the size of that mustard seed really is in a spiritual sense. But let me explain to you what it is. That prodigal son is running towards the father. And, and he's about to say all this long, long uh, declaration of his repentance. But it's halfway. Remember, he says, I am not worthy to be called your son. Let me have an abode with your servants. What that really means, Father, I want your blessings. I want your food, but not your authority. I'll stay with the guys outside your house. And you say, how can you forgive someone that comes halfway? And the father hugs him, loves him, says, you're forgiven. But in that new birth, the boy recognizes what it means to be submitted to the father to be redeemed. David. A man after God's own heart. Did David wake up one day and says, what did I just do? I just killed a guy. I slept with his wife. Oh God, sorry for... No, he did not. God had to send the prophet. And he had to tell him a story about a little lamb and a neighbor with lots of sheep. And that neighbor, he took the little lamb. That's you, David. And only at that point when he's found out, David says, oh my God. You and I would say, ah, you're not sorry for what you've done. You're sorry that you got caught. And yet God forgives. That's the mustard seed. Doesn't mean half-hearted. It means at whatever point it is complete surrender or recognition of my sinfulness. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. He cries out, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. You know this, right? After you've sinned, whatever it may be, it's always here. You know you've done it, no matter what you're doing. And if the day is sunny, it's cloudier because you know your sin. If you could be happy, you're not as happy because you know your sin. My guilt is ever before me. Against you. 
In you alone I have sinned, and I've done what is evil. Coming back to the reality of sin, it's not just the word, it is evil incarnate. I've done what is evil in your sight, and you're justified in your words, and blameless in your judgment. And yet God forgives. To whom? God forgives, and there's remission of sins to those who repent and believe in Jesus. Look at Acts 10, verse 43. As they're preaching the gospel, he says, To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name, meaning because of him. And in Him. So if you believe in Jesus, that's the first step as you come to the Lord. I've got this sin. What what do I do? Believe who Jesus is and what He calls you to do in repentance. Not just that, it's made possible by the shedding of the Lord's blood. Believing in Him and the fact that Jesus shed His blood. Ephesians 1, 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to His riches of grace. In Him, we are redeemed because of His blood. And this is given to us as a grace from the Lord. Paul talks about this when he says that we are justified by His grace as a gift. You don't deserve it. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God put forward as a propitiation, a payment, a satisfactory offering by His blood to be received by faith. Believe in Him. Because Jesus shed His blood. He is your sacrifice. This is how this was to show God's righteousness because of His divine forbearance. He had passed over our sins in Jesus, His blood, redemption, and He became our propitiation. In Him we're justified, saved from the wrath of God. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, how is that given? In faith, as the Lord moves you to repent And be saved. Look at Acts chapter 2 verse 38. As Peter is preaching. And he tells them. Repent. And be baptized. Every one of you. It's not a two stage thing to them. In the beginning. They were not Baptists. They were Christians. What must I do to be saved? Repent. Believe in Jesus. And be baptized. And this is the sign and the solution. This covenant being said in your life. That Jesus is Lord. For the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How am I free from this sin? I repent. I'm obedient in the waters of baptism. I will be forgiven and the Holy Spirit will fill me. And he goes on to tell him later on, look at Acts 3.19. Again, repent because you have sin you're dealing with and turn back. Repenting is not just the words. It is a changing of the mind that changes my direction because of my conviction. So I'm repenting from my sin because I understand what he's done for me because of me. And in turning around away from my sin, I hate my sin. I will no longer walk that way. I am repenting and I am turning around that your sin may be blotted out. This repentance changing of mind and this baptism, it's the burial that shows we're united with Christ in his death. 
so that we might be crucified with him daily as we walk with him. That's the beginning. But forgiveness continues on a daily basis. Look at verse 22 of Acts 3. We have Simon the sorcerer. He sees the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's, all, he's into this deception and, 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 and making money. And he says, listen, if I got the Holy Spirit, I can make a lot of money. So he is baptized. He looks like a Christian. But he doesn't receive the Holy Spirit. He goes, what do I do? Does it cost money? And he goes to Peter and says, listen, can I buy this? And Peter says, repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. It's a daily confession, a daily dependence upon the Lord. As John says, confess your sins, and in His righteousness and faithfulness, He'll forgive you your sins and renew you daily. You fight against that sin by keeping it in front of you, knowing that it's there, and you fight against it. And when you fall, you get up, confess, and walk again, rejecting it. So you ask me, if that's the provision, it's what the Lord has done, how do we fight effectively? Now, we're not four square church. There are churches that believe that once you're saved, you will never sin again. Have you heard about that? Therefore, you're called saints, right? What you did was not sin. It was just a mistake. Well, you and I know within our hearts, that was no mistake. And no sin. Have you ever committed a sin unintentionally? Well, there are sins of omission. But overall, every single sin you've committed, you kind of thought it through even for a second, and you chose it. How can you get victory? There is freedom from sin. Romans 6, 6 says this. We know that our old self was crucified with Him. It's a daily recognition and dedication that my battle with sin is not taking sin by the throat. It's by me dying daily, choosing, Lord Jesus, I surrender to You. I will no longer live according to my flesh and desire today. No matter what it is, I am crucified with Christ, therefore I live. Our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. To rule over it, the word nothing, katargeo, means to render idle, ineffective, inoperative, destroyed. That sin daily by dying to it and being alive to Christ. Verse 7, for one who has died has been set free from sin. So, there is freedom from sin. And this power comes from and through the Holy Spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit that fights that sin. It's the Holy Spirit filling your life with the Word. So you fight the sin, first of all, by dying daily and surrendering to God's will. Therefore, now there is no condemnation, Romans 8, 1, for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has been set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Verse 12, so then brothers, we are debtors. Not to the flesh. Don't do what the flesh wants. To live according to the flesh. But if you live according to the flesh, you will die. If by the Spirit you will be put to death. 
the deeds of the body you will live. The idea that if you live according to the flesh has got two, in, two, uh, two explanations. One is if you live according to the flesh as a non-believer, you will die spiritually. If you live as a believer according to the flesh, you will die to opportunities, to blessings, to God's directed will. And in the end, the Lord may take you home ahead of time. Put to death the deeds of the body. The promise of the Holy Spirit is given to us, to those that believe in Jesus. Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You defeat sin by being filled with the word of God, by being filled with the spirit. That's where you get your strength. To those who repent and are born again, to those who obey and become his children, there is victory over sin. Here's five quick steps of what we can do in your fight with sin. Some will be a review of what we already mentioned. First of all, be honest and recognize that sin. Don't hide, don't explain, don't embrace, don't excuse. Recognize it. Write it down. That's truth setting you free. When you speak before the Lord, this is my sin. Because if you have cancer of the liver, you don't want the doctor to cut your leg off. That's not going to solve your problem. Be honest. Recognize your sin. Second, adopt a total devotion to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You fight a certain habit, a certain sin, whatever it is, from a bottle to depression to a cigarette to your words, the vocabulary that you use, whatever it may be, embrace scriptures. Be filled with the Spirit. Being aware, communicating, dedicated to learning the scriptures and memorizing them so you could speak them back against your own sin when it comes knocking. Third, fervent prayer. Not just at meals, not just in the morning, not at night. Make a certain time in your life when you're going to start praying directly and strategizing your crucifixion. To be free from the flesh, strategizing how you will obey the Lord and you will go around the detour when you walk around that thing that may tempt you. Avoid that temptation. Fourth, put on a battle-ready dress with biblical armor. In other words, put on the armor of God, which is the Word of God. Be dressed with the Lord Jesus. And lastly... Maintain an unbreakable bond with your brothers and sisters. Be part of the life of the church. To have people in your life that you can sit down and say, Listen, I'm fighting with this. Before church started, I got a call this morning from someone that said, I'm losing my mind. I'm about to do something crazy. And the direction they were going, I thought that they're not listening to what I got to say. And they kept on getting angrier and angrier. I said, let's pray. The answer was yes. And as I'm praying and I'm closing my prayer, they say, yes, amen. Do you have someone in your life that you're connected like that? Because by yourself, you will be eaten alive by that wild beast called sin. 
with what the Lord has done and provided, we have power over sin. Jesus breaks our vicious sin cycle with guilt and bad habits, and he doesn't just let the sin sit in our lives either. As we repent of our sin, Christ sends a Holy Spirit within us to stir us up to act in a different way, to move. He doesn't ignore the past. He heals and cleanses us from the inside out over time. He makes everything new in him. Jesus is a pardon for our sin. And once redeemed in Christ, we find a transforming grace by God's mercy on a daily basis. We're given a new direction transformed in him. Thank you for listening to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. For more information about our church, visit us online at trinityefcboise.org or by phone 208-322-8801. Our church is located at 1777 North Allenbaugh Street in Boise. We'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at 11 a.m. Join us next week at this time as we go through and apply God's Word on Scriptures for Life.